question here is given her prior misfortune will she click the more details button or i don't know man let's see let's see if she does it oh Uh-oh. she's stepping in oh she's about to click oh, interested the click there's the oh click. oh she went right glasses into the cues not interested no wow. we'll have to try again next time yep I'm going to do an entire episode in golf talk. I think that'd be fun. Can we start the podcast? Okay, okay, okay. Let's start the podcast. Uh, Hey, everyone, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers, episode 76. My name is Matt, and joining me on the podcast today are my two enthusiastic and extremely excited co-hosts. First up, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. Who is, as we just learned, some kind of prisoner to this podcast. No. Uh, <laughs> suffering but from appar- podcasting Stockholm Syndrome. Games. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Where she haphazardly loads up her, her PC and says, okay, let's do this again. <laughs> That's not it. I just don't want to buy any more games. You don't understand what my house looks like. Uh, well, maybe one day you'll give us a video tour for all the listeners in us. Oh, uh, but before we do any kind of virtual tour of Tiffany B's house, we also have the man, the myth, the legend, the best, most dexterous drunk person I've ever seen. It's Dan. Ladies, why was I drunk? All right, maybe drunk was an overstatement. I need to I need to talk to you about something, Dan and Tiff. Though uh, I have seen numerous examples in my lifetime uh, being related to Dan and spending a lot of time around him when we enjoy our beers. Uh, we went bowling last night, and Dan, while drinking, he was not drunk, but he was definitely drinking, still manages to be extremely dexterous, and he showcased that by rolling multiple strikes with his non-dominant hand while drinking. Impressive. I can't roll strikes with my dominant hand. Well, I bowled a 160 drinking. right-handed, which was pretty impressive. And he is left-handed. And I'm left-handed. <laughs> Plus, he was drinking, like, at least, like, three, four beers deep, probably. I couldn't get the ball down the damn lane. (laughs) Oh, I hate balls so much. I wanted to showcase this because I find it utterly dumbfounding because Dan also showcased his dexterity playing cube, which is that Viking lawn chess, uh, outside, drinking at, like, midnight when we had no light outside, and he still managed to throw wooden chunks across the the yard and nail other wooden chunks with ease. To our sober brother's frustration. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Not to mention Dan was then trash-talking, which was hilarious, but... (laughs) 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 I just, I felt like I wanted to share that with the world, because it it was impressive. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I just thought I'd share Apparently, I am... I am dual-handed in bowling, which is great. He bowled a strike right-handed between his legs, and that's not a joke. (laughs) That dope ran up, chucked a ball between his legs. All of us went, what the hell is he doing? And then he bowled a strike. I I need bowling lessons, Dan. (laughs) This this was and-one bowling. so Impressive. He swung the bowling ball around in his shirt. 
bounce it off people's heads? No. Okay. We can get back to board games. I was going to say, this isn't a bowling podcast. It's not, but I do recognize bowling as basically a giant dexterity game. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Also, just as an aside, Dan's wife, Elsa, bowled her first bowling ball ever. She had never even been in a bowling alley. She didn't know what the sport was. I had to explain to her that you throw a ball and knock pins down. Oh, I thought you were going to say, and she bowled a strike, and then I was going to Oh, she, say... bowled, she almost bowled a turkey, <laughs> which is three strikes in a row for those who don't know. Wow. She's killing You're it. super into bowling. I did not know that. I just learned something brand new. You didn't know what a turkey was, Tiff? No. Do you know how no. much I hate bowling? Maybe you haven't seen my Twitter when I'm bowling. I'm so bored. I hate it so much. Oh, I'm sorry. We went the galaxy old- bowling. There were strobe lights. Yeah, that's even worse. I hate that. <laughs> All right. Well, this bowling talk is brought to you by our lovely sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. Uh, you can find their lovely titles, like all of the things that we previously talked about, Okie Dokie and Coliseum and Yokohama and things like that, on your online game shelves or your FLGS shelves. So be sure to check them out. Pick up some Tasty Minstrel Games. Try them out. They are pretty fun. Most of them are worth trying out. All this of them epi- but Harbor. Yeah, poor Harbor. Uh, people still stand by that game, oddly enough. Mm. They need it's to not, move. Yeah. This episode is going to be our Essen preview. Dan is finally in his element. We've done Origins preview, Gen Con preview. We are finally going to talk about all of those lovely European games. All 917 of them, according to BGG. Which is way too many games to come out or be demoed at one time so many that's dumb so many games but before we get into any of that we have not convened in such a long time and i know for a fact that i've played a few games dan has played a few games tiffany b how have your gameplays been have you gotten anything to the table i've played a few like quite a few games for me yay tiff (laughs) i haven't been insert applause sound here yeah i know because I had to hide Twitter. Like, it's it's the step in between quitting Twitter and and looking at Twitter. So Wait, you I'm had not, to hide Twitter? I had to hide it. So if you're not seeing me tweeting, it's because I, I took Twitter off of my home screen and put it, like, three layers deep in a folder. So I, I'm not looking at it all the time. For my mental health. Okay. But you're but not, like, shunning us all. You haven't blocked us all? No. Okay. I've muted some people. <laughs> Was it me? I'm sorry for all the all the gifts that I send. I love the gifts. The gifts might be the best part of Twitter, but no, I had to take a little break from it. I was getting a little, I don't know. So yeah, I'm playing games. I'm just not talking about them to anybody. Well, let us share that with you. Now, okay. Let us be. A, You're a, not going to talk about games now, too. Sweet. This yeah, no, that's not what I meant over. to say. Let's let's create a safe space, space, a safe space, an avenue for you to discuss your thoughts and feelings, Tiff. What have you been playing, good or bad? Well, I've I've been replaying all my Gen Con games, and this is like I'm super proud of it because not only do I usually not play my Gen Con games until at least a year after I buy them, but I've played most of my Gen Con games more than once now, and I've played Professor Evil Citadel of Time probably mm, five or six times. So I'm just proud of that. Like, and have you beat it yet? Tiff? 
<laughs> um, I we finally beat it at Board Game Club this week. It was oh really? Quite, it was quite an accomplishment because it's the first time I've won. We won. We lost quickly twice, and then and then this one, we battled it out. I gotta say, I was impressed with my board game club kids because I couldn't figure out the solution, and they did. It made me feel real dumb, but also really proud. They helped you figure out the solution. Yeah, like we were we were getting to the end, and it was like we either rescue this treasure or we lose. And you know, we all have our special abilities activated, and we can you know there are things that we could do. And I was like, it was my turn. And I was like, quit trying to take my turn. And they're like, yeah, but just listen for a second. And then they, they were like, if you do this and this and this, we could maybe win. And they were right. So we cooperatively won. Look at that. Yeah. It Embracing the nature of the game. Well, they, t- they tend to like, when they play cooperative games, before the person whose turn it is can even like, say what they're thinking or think about what they want to do someone will take over they just like don't have any self-control at that age with their thoughts so we we've been working on not taking people's turns for them so yeah but yeah we won that you bested the random dice fest congrats (laughs) and had fun doing it you know sometimes random dice fest can be okay it doesn't all have to be spreadsheety to have to have fun we played some other games that were very non-spreadsheety as well well i'm we're definitely going to dig more into all the games we played but i do want to point out the fact that in the history of this podcast i have long been criticized for being the guy who plays the same games over and over again and i like the fact that you all have now come to light and both of you in the last couple episodes have decided that you want to play the same games more than once you so, know, it's, congrats. It's, it's the evolution, you know? I don't want to buy any more games. You've I all don't. grown up. I like playing good games more than once. You yeah. Know? I just, I finally found some games that I liked enough to play more than once. That's my problem, usually. I'm like, oh, I'll try this, and then I try it, and I'm like, mm, it was okay. I don't need to play it again. There's a lot of turds out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, do you have any... uh non-feces related games what non-turds yes um yeah i did um i played so i went to michigan this past weekend to visit uh our buddies matt and ben the fleeples um as well as kevin and ben's brother joe and it was a good time um but we kind of made it a point that we were going to play like all these old classics that i had never played because i'm a little bit behind the eight ball um since like the year 2000 or whatever so i got to play a bunch of new to me games um most of which i i enjoyed thoroughly i think the one that i enjoyed most was london so this is actually it's kind of timely because it's getting a second edition from osprey which is just climbed my ranks actually i should probably put it on my essen list um but i know it'll be available in the u.s very shortly too so um this is a card-based game um from martin wallace so prepared to get kicked between the legs because that's what martin wallace does best he's just like you don't need those Bonk. um so or sorry well i guess if you're a lady then you're okay sort of 
maybe i think it I still know. hurts yeah I'm, oh no i know i definitely know it still hurts but yeah anyways martin wallace is cruel to all equally yeah he will he'll just kick you between the legs no matter what's there that's basically the gist yeah. of what i'm trying to say pain so this is a card-based game basically you're just building um uh, thematically i don't even know what it is you're rebuilding london sure but basically you're playing cards out in front of you in a tableau um and you're basically running this engine that you're putting out and every time you run it you're gonna you're gonna gain points you're gonna gain money but you're also gonna gain these little negative cubes which are obviously martin wallace's death cubes um they're black um and at the end of the game whoever has the most points um minus all their death cubes is is the winner um so there's a little bit of a an area not really an area control it's kind of you put you know little uh city tokens out to claim these regions which then reduce the amount of black cubes you get it's yeah that's it really like you're playing cards out and the fun part about it is running that engine and the decisions between what cards to actually play out um the bigger your engine so you can have any number of uh columns in your tableau um because you're going to stack cards on top of other cards so you can have it you can have it as far as length and and width i guess would be the thing of your tableau you can have as much as you want but the longer it is the more cube black cubes you're going to take when you run that engine to kind of symbolize i guess i don't know plague and pollution and just the the hardships of growing a city back after a big fire um so it's a really interesting kind of dynamic of when you can kind of turn the corner from going from like three cards in your engine to going to like seven um when you play a card you have to discard a card of a similar color so that those cards that are discarded create a discard pool which then other players can can grab from um a lot of just really slick little mechanics um it's it's not a hard game um to pick up on but it is it'll it'll make your brain work uh which i really liked about it um the new version i know is going to take away the board element um which is different and i'm I'm curious to see what they're doing there obviously it looks better because i mean I, i think any of us could probably make a better looking game than a tree frog game those things are hideous so yeah i i've really enjoyed it it was good i don't i've heard that i played it a two player i've heard that that's probably not its best count um so I'm looking forward to picking up the new version and getting it played at, at some higher counts. So that's London from Martin Wallace, Mr. Kiki in the Legs. Nice. I'm glad to hear a little bit about that. I feel like I've been seeing that on Twitter and Instagram a whole lot. So I guess it's because of that second edition. The second edition is out or not yet? No, not yet. I think mm-hmm. end of October. Gotcha. I think it corresponds with Essen. It's technically an Essen release, I think. Okay. Well, I got to play an older game, I guess, technically, in that I picked up one of the restoration games, uh, Indulgence, which is a trick-taking game. It is a re- re-implementation, it's not a direct reskin, uh, a remake of, I think it's called like Dragon Master or something like that. It is a previously fantasy-themed trick-taking game where... The element of this is basic trick-taking plus rules that you apply to each hand that impact scoring. And I've played this twice now, but the the amount that you play within each game, you really get a feel for the game. So even though I, this is kind of like first takey because I've only played it twice, uh, you play for a significant length of time. And I feel like trick-taking games, you kind of get the 
the feel for the mechanisms pretty quickly, um, especially when you have so much repetition. So that's the biggest complaint. I'll just start off right off the bat. This game you play until everyone has had three turns at being the ruler. The ruler is the individual who picks the baseline rule of the, they're called edicts in this game, the rule of the hand. And that is how you will score. So there are three available. I am the ruler. Uh, I get to pick which one applies to this hand. And they can be things like, don't take any of the red suited cards, which they're all Italian Renaissance families. So like the Medicis or anything like that. Uh, Don't take any Sforzas. Or don't take any twos and threes. Or don't take pairs of reds and blues kind of thing. Uh, If you violate that rule, you have to pay the ruler a certain amount of points. The flip side to that is that each person gets an opportunity to go around the table and sin, like S-I-N, like commit a sin. Uh, To sin means to take that card from the ruler and flip it over and apply the opposite rule to yourself for the hand. So if the ruler wanted you guys to not take any twos and threes, you can sin and take that card from them and try to take all of the twos and threes. If you complete that goal, you get a whole bunch of points. If you don't complete that goal, you have to pay out to the ruler, where if you don't sin at all, uh, you can typically try to like dish cards to other players and have them pay out. So you don't gain any points, but you don't lose any points. So there's some risk-reward involved in this game. Uh, so you play, like I said, until everyone has had three opportunities to be that ruler and choose kind of the, the edict for the round, which can go kind of long. Both games that we played, both groups at some point said, how long did this game go? Like, this game goes kind of long, and then everyone kind of caveated with, I'm enjoying it, I'm having fun, this game is all right, but it just seems to be going like a very long time. The box time is like 45 minutes. Uh, I think easily this is a trick-taking game that will take you like an hour, especially with four players. Uh, We played, both games that I played were three-player games. Uh, and it still almost took an yeah, hour. We played a four-player. Did we play a four-player? Who was our fourth player? Mom. Mom. Oh, sorry. Okay, so I played a four-player and I played a three-player. And both were, were running a little bit long. Uh, but I do enjoy the game. I think that it's a fun twist on trick-taking. And the second game I played, uh, I played with Steve and Dan Licata. And I felt like we got a good feel towards the end of the game of like how to play with these rules a little bit more. Cause I know the first time we played with mom and Kel and Dan, uh, Dan, brother Dan here, uh, there was some more confusion on how exactly those cards worked because they do have a weird double negative kind of quality at times where you don't want to take things, but you can have other people take things and then only certain players are scoring at certain times. So it, it's a little fuzzy, to get into, but it, it's not difficult. And the trick-taking itself is just basic trick-taking. There's no complication there. So I think it's pretty cool. I, I like it, and I think I'll hold on to it as a trick-taking option that's a little atypical. Eh. Yeah, I, I know you weren't really feeling it, Dan. I don't know. I'm just getting you... tired of, like, these, like, variations of trick-taking. Like, there's 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 certain staples. Nobody's really done anything different with it. And, and this one in, in particular, I think people have done better with it since it was originally come out. Uh, Chronicle and Dwarf King are both, I think, better implementations of the rule-based trick-taking game. They're smoother. They're way more interesting. And I don't, I don't know. This one just... I, I don't want to play a 60-minute trick-taker. Like, it was way too long. 
and the rules were a little bit kind of confusing. And there's there's times in the game I remember based on certain rules that you just threw a card down. There was literally no decision. I could have like shuffled my cards and just threw one down. Like so, that that really kind of brought me out of it. I like what I love about trick taking is kind of the way you can kind of tactically navigate your hand. And I, I just felt like in this game, certain cards or certain rules really just took that entirely away and it just made it a mm, okay there um i'll throw that out kind of thing so like i said it, if in my opinion if you're looking for a rules-based trick taker it's been done better in chronicle by seiji kanai and dwarf king i think that's bruno fiduti maybe uh that sounds right i don't know both of it's those definitely I, I a bruno it's a bruno um i i enjoy both of those immensely more than this game Personally. Yeah, I don't. You definitely got into a negative space, into a negative headspace, and wrote this game off very quickly. So, but like, if like you're I said, listening be- to our commentary, like Dan was straight negative. I try to be more positive. So find yourself somewhere in between, maybe. <laughs> no, like you, that, you didn't that, want anything to do with this game almost immediately. Because almost immediately, it took me out of the game. That's what I'm saying. Like, it literally just... And I won. Like, I won the game. <laughs> so, like, I'm not, like... You can't take that from me. I played it, and I played it well. But I'm just saying, like, there were turns. There were rounds in this 60-minute trick-taking game where, literally, it didn't matter what you threw. Which, to yeah. me, is just a... It's a waste of time. Like, that needs to be sorted out. And of I, the I, five different players I've played with it, you are the one who had like outright difficulty with it everyone else seemed to get it a little bit quicker okay I, and that's I not a knock against it. you i'm just saying <laughs> i won i won heftily too i uh, yeah i'm uh, i'm not and i'm not trying to like start anything i'm just saying i'm trying to look at all the data so of the data there were six of us that have played in my two games and you were the one player who like you you were openly saying like I can't wrap my head the, around what's happening. I, I'm and also I, the I don't one deny that you won, so maybe you're better than us. But I, I, yeah. No, but I would also say the one player out of the six you mentioned that plays trick taking like constantly, and it just that's what I'm saying. Like I immediately played it, and I know how I want to feel when I play a trick taker. And this game just took me out of it right away with some of those rules that they had because they just were like they were just wonky. They are very wonky. It's it's definitely a. a the challenge of the game is like how just trying to like engineer. I get it. But I'm saying you, I know you personally have better get trick taking games on your shelf. That's what I'm saying. Like you have Dwarf King and that is a much better game than this one. Yeah. And I mean, I think that if you fold it into like the ladder climbing games, which are close relatives, you've got your Chimera and Ladder 29 and your, uh, uh, whatchamacallit teach you and things like that ladder so, yeah, ladder 29 is a good example that's another rules kind of based one and that one is just slick as all hell i love that game i agree uh i agree that there are good games out there and and there are games that i like i you know i'd played chimera before most other card ladder and trick taking games because i because i love that game but i don't think that the challenge here is fun sometimes i i really do think and there's a lot of interaction with trying to like stuff people with cards and we played with some of the advanced edicts in in our second game and they're interesting i I don't think it's the best game but in terms of looking at restoration games and and trying to see what they're doing i I think that this is a successful venture i don't know so i I didn't hate it i didn't hate it i didn't hate it either i'm just i was just i'm just trying to make the counterpoint that i 
I don't think you need this game if you have other games like it. I don't think you need to to buy it. You could try it first. Yeah. What is the availability of things like Chronicle and I, I guess Dwarf Kings float around on shelves? Uh, I to be honest, I I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know if I have seen Chronicle, but Chronicle's fun. I I think I've only played that a couple of times, so that's got rules as well. So Chronicle yeah, there's other really good. games in this category. I'm just that saying, one is like, equally challenging though. Where so Chronicle flooded. has a lot of like fiddly cards do different things between rounds like all of a sudden this card now has a different meaning than it did last round the actual entity like the card itself will do different things as opposed to the this trick taking is always just regular trick taking which i think is a benefit maybe i don't know no chronicle is definitely a step up because it has they have each card has like a, a player power on it kind of thing that when you play it you can activate which gives it just another level of depth um, which is why i really like that game um but again, uh, Dwarf King is a similar kind of traditional trick-taking with the rules-based thing, and I just think yeah. it's it's executed well. Um, it's much prettier to look at. Um, just little things like that. And in a, in a space like trick-taking that's so flooded with just options, like, I just, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't overly impressed to the point where I felt like, you know, oh, I need this on my shelf kind of thing. So I'm just, just offering a counterpoint. Like I said, you have Dwarf King, and I think that's... If you were going to have to pick between the two, I'd, I'd keep Dwarf King. Yeah. that I mean, that that would probably be my pick, too. Everyone just go play Chimera. That's all you got to do. Uh, Tiffany B. Yeah. What else have you gotten into? Tiff loves trick-taking games. Tiff, have you even played a trick-taker? I know we talked about trying to teach you a trick-taker at one point. It's been a while. You get around to it ever? I mean, we, we play them in my game group sometimes, but... I don't know. It's I, I don't hate trick-taking the way I used to. I used to really hate it. Yay, Tiff. So, there you go. I've, I've come a little way. Really coming into our own here in the podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah, thanks. Uh, no, I... I'm still... We're still having a hard time, like, having a regular... Like, most of the games I've played since the last time I saw you have been at Board Game Club. So okay. there's that, but we did have one game night, and I did replay Unearth, and it went mm. way better, I think, than the Gen Con play. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there. We played with four players, and it went by faster and better, and so I think four players is the way to play that game. It felt the right weight. What did you guys play at before? Three. Hmm. And what it does just that fourth player well, because four probably four gives you the ability to have more players on something to break it. Yeah, exactly. Because there were because there are cards that have like I forget what it is like seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, we so, said take those out in a three player. Yeah, and I think that's probably that's definitely the fix because even with uh, four players, the seventeen ones feel big, but there's so many of you putting dice out, and the dice get placed and replaced more often that way. So yeah. Things get broken faster. Yeah, two sixes and a five. Broken. Yeah, the game went by really quick, I thought. So there's that. Oh, I got Castles of Burgundy, the dice game. How is that? Well, I'm, I'm like, really into the rolling rights because you can Mm. play them by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. So I haven't gotten to play it too much, but I played one solo game, and it's, it's... You know how Castle, Castles of Burgundy, the, the card game, didn't have, like, the the tile part of the game in it? This focuses on the tile part of it. 
So it's what the card game was missing. It, like you put it all together and it's it's the actual game. <laughs> so, say, how many more castles of Burgundy <laughs> do, we, do we need, really? I mean, just play the regular game. It's at this funny. Point. You know, I'm I'm not like the hugest fan of the regular game. Like it, it might have one thing too many because I like the card game and I like the dice game. But when I play the other game, I get bored. So I don't know. I don't know what that is. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it works. You, you roll dice and it kind of works like, um, oh, crap. Now I forget. <laughs> it's, been, it's been probably two weeks since I played it. But you, 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 one player rolls the dice and then you pick two dice to use to fill in uh, one of the spaces on your board. And then all of that stuff interacts. I could go into detail, but I'm not going to because it's been two weeks and I'm going to get something wrong and then I'm going to get an email and I don't want to. But yeah, it just works with dice. (laughs) To be fair, the email would have been from one of us. Yeah, well, you know, whatever. But it it feels like Castles of Burgundy, but really light. So, yeah, I'm excited by it. It's a... It's a good one. Like I played it like while I was eating breakfast one morning two weeks ago, and it yeah. it it went by. I probably played it in less than it's probably like twenty minutes, but I f- still felt like, hey, this is Feldy, but it didn't take me half of my day to play it, and I didn't have to rely on another person, and that's always <laughs> nice. Does regular Castles of Burgundy have a solo mode? Probably. I am. I think a lot of those games have a solo mode and you're just trying to like beat your previous score, right? Mm. I don't know how it works. I've never, I don't own actual Castles of Burgundy. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. It's one of the few felts. I just, I don't know. I just, every time I play it with people, I'm just like, mm, there are better ones, in my opinion. Kel, Ben, and I recently played Castles of Burgundy. It was Kel's first time ever playing it. And, you know, she doesn't like QB Euro kind of deals, but. Uh, I think she got into it, and she, I think I ended up winning right at the end, but she did really well. She was kind of killing us through the whole game, and uh, I think she she got the feel of the efficiency, because that game really isn't that tough, and at three-player, no. it is just the perfect playtime. I would say three-player probably would be better. I feel like every time I play Castles of Burgundy for real, it's with, like, what's the max player count? Five? Like, it's with way too many players, and then it takes too long. Four is horrendous. So, for some yeah. reason, that fourth player adds like forty-five minutes onto that game. Right. So, I don't know if you, if you like Castles of Burgundy, but like you don't want to deal with people and you want it to be shorter, then get the dice game version. Yeah, I usually like I look for board games where I don't have to deal with people. Me too. It's we have that my, in common. How do I do this but without all the players? <laughs> I don't feel that way necessarily, but it's just been when it's hard to get a game group together, these roll and writes really make sense. And they are, you're able to kind of, like, I bought some other ones too that I'll maybe talk about if I ever get around to playing them. But yeah, okay. I'm, I'm super into the roll and write right now. So you just want to sit around a table with three other people and play solo roll and writes? No, I don't. Like, so you can, like, I, look up and talk to them, but just compare score. <laughs> I like it's just like the Lagrange one. I never played that with anybody. Like I just play it by myself. I don't even think mm-hmm. of it as a multiplayer game. It's just like it's a it's a fill in when I can't have friends. Thanks. That's Matt. fair. I got well. Fine. Not no. Wait. Not not have okay. friends. Just when your friends are not available. Which is most of the time. Adults. 
well, tough. We're not very good at that, the mm. adults. But yeah, I liked it, and I thought it was worth it. So, yay. Cool. All right. Dan, what else did you, uh, whether it be from the, the Fleeples or otherwise, what else you been getting into? Um, recently, we played Bunny Kingdom again, which I like. Um, played a three-player. It's pretty fun. It's still a good game. Um, I guess from a classic standpoint, I guess people, I don't know, people probably don't want to hear about classics, but I'm going to talk about them anyways. Talk about classics. What, we talk about whatever we want on this show. Um, I played St. Petersburg, finally. Oh, no, talk about something else. This was a good, <laughs> this was a really good game, and I was really bad at it. It's one of those games, I know we say that a lot about first plays, but man, did I really just need to see this one in action to kind of understand it, because there's, there's some... Um, timing elements that i really didn't kind of grok until the, like the third or fourth round and by that point you know it's really hard to catch up in this game um and you know playing with two experienced players like matt and ben it was it was like oh boy okay you guys just play i'm gonna be here just to draft cards um so in st petersburg for anyone who hasn't played there's these four four rounds of um cards that are going to come out in each round you can buy these cards and they come into your tableau and they create an engine and they're they're four different colors or i guess three different colors with upgrades and after each of the rounds so after the green round all of your green cards are going to activate after the blue round all your blue cards are going to activate and after the orange round all of your orange cards are going to activate so um you're trying to kind of walk this fine line of kind of creating an economic engine but at some point you're gonna have to turn that economic engine into kind of a points engine um and what i wound up doing was i went heavy into like the blue because it was the points but what i realized was i needed an economy which i wasn't really strong in to start the game i wasn't getting any so the green cards are like the economy building cards to start with and after the orange round, which is the third round, I wasn't getting any money to lead into the, the beginning of the, the next green round, which is where I could buy the economy cards. So I was in this like rut of like literally just two, two phases in a row. I was just doing nothing, um, which was, you know, it was complete player error. But again, I, I didn't, I had to get that timing, um, kind of fixed in my head and then I started to kind of get into it and, and but it was too late at that point um, but I really liked it um, it was a, it was a good game um, I can see why people really like this one it's a classic um, for those reasons so may or may not pick this one up in the near future I don't know I might put it on my trade list um, to try and grab a copy I know there was a second edition that came out um, so maybe I can get that one and see see if I like it even more the next time around because I, I really liked a lot of the things it was doing. I'm a big engine building kind of fan. So um, it had all the right, the right things in it. I just, um, I honestly just, I, I felt ridiculous. I was like, Oh my, I am, I'm done. Like after turn three, I was like, I've lost, but I played so it there's out. No way just, to really recover. Well, I not, I guess you could technically if everyone else plays just not as when bad. your opponents know what they're doing. Yeah, no. So like I said, it was I just I I strung myself up economically um, and I didn't have the money to buy cards and in, in rounds that I needed to buy cards. But my points engine was good and I, I I was leading the game the whole time at points. But there's end game points based on um, the number of orange cards you collect and things like that that allowed those guys to just run run circles around me at the end because I didn't go towards that that part of the game. So, 
you know, live and learn. It's definitely one you need to see in action, I think, uh, once or twice to kind of get a feel for it. And then, um, then you should be good to go. So I really liked it. Another, another classic that I crossed off my list. So I was happy about that. Nice. That's one that I thought about picking up previously. Um, it runs a little expensive for just not knowing what goes on with it. I knew it was a card based game and things like that. So hearing a little bit more about it is cool. I'd, I'd like to try it out at some point. I think it's on like my trade list or something. It's on the radar. Yeah. I mean, it's worth a try. I played a couple of other things and I really want to speak to seventh continent, but I'm going to at least wait if we want to talk about a few more games uh, and maybe I want to play it some more. I'm not sure or not. Uh, I've got about 10 hours invested into it, which sounds like a lot in theory, but really doesn't feel like a lot in terms of the game time of seventh continent, but I am enjoying it and want to keep going. One of the other games that I played that I think Dan, you played, did you play dice forge? Yeah. And Tiff, have you heard, have you played dice forge or heard about it? Heard about it. This yeah. is a, that's a, that's a board game club game. It's a board Tiff. game club game. So Easily. that's why I was thinking about that's bringing it That's a great one. It did you like it, Dan, for a game for your taste? Um, I think this will probably shock people, but I did actually enjoy my time with it. Okay, that's super weird. It is. <laughs> a it's dice really game. light. Well, I'll let you explain it, and then I'll I'll give my thoughts. Well, what you're about to say it's a very light game. It's basically exclusively dice rolling, but it, it's got the craftable dice thing, like Rattlebones. It's kind of like the first real effort since then to try to do something like that and essentially all you do is everyone gets to roll their dice on everybody's turn and that those dice faces allow you to gain resources of uh correct me if i'm wrong i don't quite know the points you could get gold you could get victory points you could get fire and like ice or something there's there's two elemental based resources that you could gather you would gather those resources from your dice face faces and then whoever's turn it was could take an action to either buy cards using these resources that would give you one-time abilities or repeatable abilities recurring abilities or you could buy new dice faces which improve your dice get you more resources and other kinds of fun things and essentially that pattern repeats across i think nine rounds is what we played and uh, along the way, you're gathering those victory points. So the cards give you victory points, the dice give you victory points, and it's just most points at the end of the game wins. Uh, there are different ways to like extend your board to get so that you can hold more gold and, and uh, of those elemental points. There's little cards that allow you to interact to gain points in other ways. You could trade in and, and buy points in certain ways. Uh, it is very, very light. Like it's it's relatively like beer and pretzels, mindless. Uh, but I think, and maybe this is what you might like about it, Dan, it's, it's what I liked about it is that you're always engaged. Turns are very snappy and you get to do something on everyone's turn. You always get to roll your dice and typically you roll your dice and while you're adjusting your little sliders on your player board, the other person's taking their turn. So you're always doing something that's very limited downtime and the decisions are very snappy because it's kind of like, what can I afford? What's got the most bang for my buck? You know, do I want to buy some dice faces or, or invest in the cards a little bit? Um, so I liked it, although I'm glad that I played it before buying it because I 40 bucks is a nice price for this game, but I don't need to own it now that I've played it. It's, it's fun. I'll play it whenever someone wants to play it, but I don't need it on my shelf. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think it's a 
super light game. I was I went into it. I was like, all right, let's see what this is. It's um, was it Asmo Day or Fun Four? I don't remember which one it is, but it's one of the Asmo Day Studios. Um, beautiful to look at. The components are just both lovely as well as they they're practically put into the box. Like they have this nice like layout for like getting the dice faces out and everything. It was just a, a really nice production. What I you know I liked the idea of rattle bones. I think Tiff we played this one a couple years ago and it was a horrible game. It was like, the worst. We played it at absolutely Prescott. miserable. <laughs> Yeah, so when I went into it, I was like, all right, let's, you know, the bar is set low for dice forging games, so to speak. So, so number one, this was better than Rattlebones. So that gave it a point in my book. Like, I was like, all right, cool. It took this neat little mechanic of building your dice and made it somewhat more interesting um, than Rattlebones. I think the other cool thing was there was, there was a number of ways to score points. So um, you, you could go a different path than, say, you know, Matt or... SME or someone based on you know how you built your dice and that sort of thing i did like as you mentioned how every turn you know you're rolling your dice and getting something which is awesome um, that keeps you engaged it keeps i think that's the biggest thing like a game this light i needed to be engaged and i thought that was just fun to just kind of fiddle with my player board and think about my next turn and like oh if i get this i get you know that kind of thing so um yeah i don't uh, i other than this, like I said, I had I had a good time for 30 minutes. Like it was just funny just crafting these dice and rolling. And I think there's something gratifying about seeing something you physically built come to life and, you know, act the way you wanted it to act um, in most cases. Um, so that's that. And I think you'll be f- surprised to hear, Matt, that Smee really, really likes this game too. Really? Yeah. And I think kind of for the same reasons. It's just kind of like a beer and pretzels kind of palette cleanse between a couple of heavy euros we played it after we played lahav so it was just kind of like yeah that's a good wind down we'll turn our brains off for a little bit roll some dice have a good time i think there it's ripe for expansion which it could add again this could be kind of like that base level and then they could add a little bit more complexity into it maybe for some people looking for that um i do feel like you though i don't i don't need to own it um but it's it's worth trying you know what i mean and i think it's got a very particular audience i don't think that it's going to be for your heavy euro players um but again i i enjoyed it for what it was and the the time it took um from my day so sure i'm okay with it i think it'd be a really good board game club game though tiff i think it's it's snappy like matt said it'll keep the kids engaged um it's a great kind of family weight game it's got that toy factor you get to build the dice and the 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 physicality of those dice works really well like putting the dice faces on and off is great it it all works well together they don't feel they feel nice and chunky and yep. so there's a nice like i can just imagine like lost dice faces everywhere in, yeah. in my room <laughs> the nice and, thing about the insert <laughs> well sticky yeah you're gonna have some sticky i can't get this dice face off um the nice thing about the insert is that it's laid out very well and like everything is custom molded. You'll know so you exactly know what you're missing. Is missing. Yeah, you'll know exactly which piece is missing. Which well, is that's handy. good then. That is handy. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'll check that out. Not trying to buy board games. I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this wouldn't be for you. you. Can, It'd be for you the You can kids. find it on the cheap for board game club, I think. All right. I don't think forty dollars is bad, but anything less than that, I think that you you're getting a good deal. Okay. So yeah. I'll keep it in mind. 
so we have a ton of Essen games to cover, but I didn't want to cut anybody short if there's anything else cool that people have played that they care to share about. Mm. No? No. Okay. okay. Then we can do some Essen. Like I said, I've, I've got this seventh continent on my mind, but it... I feel like I need to really dive in more. Uh, I'd really like to talk to you guys about it because Dan played a little bit with us. Um, and it's, it's not just, a three-player game. <laughs> it's such a saying, massive endeavor. I think it's I think it's one or two-player max. I think that's well, actually, where it's best suited. Here, so this this episode is relevant because currently the expansion is on Kickstarter. So as a service to There's anybody an expansion? listening. How do you expand that game? It's already 55,000 hours long. There are more curses. Jeez. Um, so just as a service to anyone who's thinking about buying into it, let me give a couple of thoughts that echo what Dan just said. So Dan is not incorrect with the idea that I've been thinking about this a lot. This game mechanically is a solo game. Yes. There are decisions and things to do for one player only. Because the nature of the game is that it's like a little, um, what, what am I trying to say, Dan? It's like a choose your own adventure, choose your maybe, own adventure. or like a seek and like you're looking, basically you go to a number, you flip a card and interact with whatever that card has for you. It is mechanically a single entity decision-making process. Like we only can do one thing at a time. There's no actual turn structure. It's take an action, then decide what else you want to do next and like you just it's a series of of singular actions there's no turns the only thing that just differentiates one player from multi multiplayer is the hand size that sits in front of you if you have more players you can hold more things um and that kind of works out like ben is in possession of this conch shell so if i want to use the conch shell on my thing he needs to quote unquote come with me what we, and again, only 10 hours in, which isn't a lot for this game, but what we've come to find is that we travel together a lot. So basically, we just have like, we've unified our player boards into essentially one player board because we're always going to go into every challenge together. We don't split up a lot. So we don't have any kind of individuality a lot. Dan said this is not a three player game. It plays up to four. This is mechanically a solo game. But I think that you could play with four players if you had four people who want to engage actively in the story making process. Like if you have friends that you could sit around a campfire and tell a story with, you could play four players with this game because it's the same concept. It's kind of like playing Sherlock Holmes or Mythos Tales or something like the only thing that the other players are doing is bouncing ideas and sharing in the experience. But mechanically you're not doing anything uh which is where we kind of lost dan because ben and i were like pouring over the board and looking at things and like dan checked out at times because he was he didn't need to be there like he wasn't necessarily offering anything to the game you've got to you got to put forth that effort individually and dan again not trying to call you out i'm just this is what we saw like you we invited you back for the second session and you were like nope i'm okay not a three-player game. And I get that. If you're not willing to lean, you know, lean over the board and, and get into the theme and be excited when you get to read flavor text and things like if you don't like reading flavor text as a game, that's basically all this game is, is flavor text the game. But that's cool. Like, it's a really well-designed system, and it's very interesting the way that they put this puzzle together. But it does have problems in terms of the multiplayer 
aspect to it because it is very singular in focus. I don't know. Does that feel fair, Dan? Sure. It's a one-player game, and it's an amazingly... Uh, it's an amazing achievement, I guess, in design. I will say yeah. that. It's uh, well thought out. The The structure is really neat. How the cards work, how the system works, all those like things interact um, really seamlessly, and it's and really interesting. But it's it's a choose your own adventure and only one person is going to be doing the choosing really at the end of the day yeah i i don't know like because you say like it's not a three-player game to kind of like belittle it like i'm not going to play this because i wasn't belittling it game no i'm just saying at that player count but there's no point in having three people you're all doing the same unless you want to share the experience like i guess but it's like oh where do you want to go do you want to go left cool we'll go left and let's explore this cave and that's awesome i'm like yeah, that sounds good. I would have said the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it drags the third person along. Well, and the second player, technically, it, it drags whoever is not, like, putting themselves into the moment, uh, basically. I guess. It's it's not a three or four player game. You could play it at one and two just fine. I think it's a great, like, couples night game where you both can sit on opposite ends of the table, have a really good view of it, have fun playing through it. I think it's perfect for that. It's a cool game. It's a very cool game. I would buy it to play by myself, and I don't even like to solo. So I'm not belittling it, so don't say that. I'm just saying it's not a three- or four-player game. It's just kind of one of those things. It doesn't engage that much. But I don't want people to think that you can't play this with three or four players because I think you could if you had the right people. Yeah, I, I guess you should. Like, I recognize that, like I said, mechanically, it is, it's a solo game, but it's the way that, like, if you took a solo game out and you sat around with four people, that's exactly what this is. Like, Tiff, if you had your roll and write uh, Castles of Burgundy and you had three other people sitting around making decisions with you, like, it wouldn't feel like a multiplayer game, but this game capitalizes on storytelling as the way to bring the other players in. So. Sure. I'm, I don't know. Like, I, I don't disagree with you, but I also want to, like, temper. I, I think that you can play this with three people and be cool. Like, Kel, Ben, and I could do this. Even I think, like, me, you, and Kel could do it, Dan. Like, we have our Time Stories thing. Time Stories is almost kind of a similar corollary where, like, mechanically, you're not really even doing that much by yourself. It's very team-focused, and we still have a good time with that. Sure. I just think this this game is 90% a solo game. That's all I'm saying. And it's a very good solo game. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry to to get off that track, but if you're thinking about buying into this game, because it's a very expensive game, especially if you're adding in other stuff for expansions, uh, it's something to consider. Like, I think that this, even though this is a shortened view, mechanically, I think that this, like I've seen what the game has to offer for the most part in terms of that solo player nature across 10 hours. So even though I don't know all the answers to all the quests and things like that, I think I've got a feel for like heed our feedback. If you're about to spend $200 on this game, it's a very cool game, but it, it's got some limitations in terms of it. Like we played for almost three and a half hours and I, we didn't, I felt like we did nothing. I was like, yeah, Ben and I played four hours on our second session and we went in the complete wrong direction and made no progress on the quest. (laughs) Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta commit to it. And this goes back to the whole thing like that, that time I could play a video game or something, but you know, this, I like choose your own adventure and I'm, I'm, I'm actually contemplating getting a a copy for myself because I could play it by myself when I won't have anyone 
to play with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very cool game, but Dan brings up a good point. Like, you need to be ready to invest the time. This, is, this isn't even one of those games, like, I've got Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. It's got 10 missions in it. We've only done one of them, but we did a whole one. This is, like, I've invested 10 hours, and I am not even close to finishing this one thing that we've started, and there are seven more in this box. So you got to have... When they say like 100 hours, they're not joking. There's a lot going on in this game. And you've got to be ready to like invest 10, 15, 20 hours just to do the first thing. So, which is crazy. It's like an RPG in terms of commitment. So, anyway, I digress. Essen Games. Let's move forward. Essen 2017 is upon us. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, almost 1,000 games on show, uh, according to the BGG list, and, you know, who's even to say what percentage they've captured. I'm sure it's most of them, but there might even be more than that. So, lots of things to be shown off, to be purchased, to be demoed, and coming our way into 2018, uh, as this happens at the end of the year. And it is the European game show, so we usually don't see a lot of those titles one, if at all, two, until the following year. So, we have a list. We've gone through the lovely Essen preview on BGG. They've used the great tool and formatting that we talked about in their Gen Con and Origin stuff. It's got a wonderful organization tool where you can label things and find more info. Very user-friendly. We discovered that there's a share feature. So Dan shared his list with Tiff so that they could collaborate and make sure that they agreed on everything and made me feel like a fool because I don't have any of the same games. So go check that out for yourself if you'd like to pour through it and uh, see what you are interested in. We have generated some lists of things that we want to check out and possibly pick up. Dan, in particular, had his list made about three weeks ago when he bought all the games that he wants. (laughs) And uh, let's chat about those. So do we just want to do a little round robin? Tiff, we want to start with you. Give us one of your games. Oh, no. All right. Well, I mean, or should we start with the Essen King himself? I think you should start with Dan, because he, yeah, he's done his right. research. I just browsed. Captain Essen, you have been ready and rearing. You're very excited for the things coming your way, enough that you texted me, and Dan and I do not text very frequently, but Dan told me all the games that he's buying. What uh, What's on your radar, man? Um, So I, I made a list. So my number 10, if we're doing that, or my bottom of my list here, is uh, Majesty for the Realm. I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm I'm kind of disappointed that all of my titles are like AAA titles. I don't have a lot of hipster on here, but there's so much good like established designers coming out with new games that it's it was kind of hard to to neglect it. So uh, Majesty for the Realm. This is from Mark Andre. This is the gentleman who did Splendor and Barony and. I think that's all right now. Um, This is his new game. Um, It's got some tableau building. It's got a couple of things. I I don't know much about it because I haven't seen a lot. I know they were demoing it at Gen Con, and I didn't get a chance to sit down and um, demo it. But this was actually one of the games on my list that I wasn't able to pre-order because it was already sold out. I'm just curious. Even though I'm not Splendor's biggest fan, I'm a fan of this guy as a designer because he kind of taps into some of the elements I really like in games and that's kind of smooth, seamless mechanics, kind of like games you can just sit down, pick up quickly and just play and still get some sort of reward and, or, you know, 
good feeling from it. Uh, Barony is, by in my opinion, one of the most underrated games that hasn't gotten any love um, in the last couple of years since it came out. That game is excellent. I love it. Um, so I'm just interested to see what he comes out with um, again. So that's that's why he's on the list. Very nice. Tiffany B, now that you've uh, had a couple seconds to steal yourself, what do you got for us? You know, it was hard because I'm not super interested in buying a lot of games. But um, Coaster Park is one that I was looking at just for board game club, like the toy factor of building actual roller coasters for a marble out of cardboard seems fun. And it has that perfect playing time of 30 to 60 minutes, which would fit nicely the reason it's kind of like down on my list is just because it's scott alms and seems like a super nice guy but his games don't like they fall flat for me a lot of the time but this looks like it could be it's dexterity and you know you're you're trying to plan auction too yeah a little bit of auctions drafting and it seems like it could fit the bill and there's bidding which always concerns me but I think this is a game that the kids would get behind. And it's pretty. It's got Quan Chai art. Ooh, Quan Chai art. Quan Chai is so hot right now. He is, isn't he, in terms of his artwork. People are all over that. Yeah. So It's that Flip Ships box art. Oh, the Flip Ships box art. I love it. So good. But, yeah. So, so that's that's probably, like, near... If we're doing, like, any kind of order, that's kind of on the... I'm interested in it. I'm not, like, dying to get it. Sounds like a number 10 to me, Tiff. Okay. Cool. One of the games that I was checking out, because everyone's kind of checking it out, and hopefully I'm not ruining anyone's list, but this is down towards the bottom, uh, because I have a feeling that they're going to retheme it with something cooler uh, about three months down the road, is Azul, which is a Michael Kiesling game. game. It's, I mean, it's kind of a mad game. Uh, it's got chunky bake-like pieces. It's super cool. It's a drafting and tile-placing game with these, like I said, chunky pieces. Um, seems to be, it's in that plan B line, so I'm assuming it's going to be relatively accessible. It's got some like pattern building that you're trying to do, set collection kind of deals. Uh, it looks very pretty, and overall I think that the game, it doesn't look like it has too many secrets when I when I take a look at it and read about it. Um, in terms of hidden depth, it's got like a 2 on the complexity rating on BGG, so it, it seems like it's about what I expect it to be in terms of selecting stuff and placing them where I want them to be. Uh, But that is cool and a pretty game with this kind of Spanish uh, aesthetic is I'm all about that. The box art's great. All the pieces look good. And I'm assuming, I'm hoping it's going to have a nice price point, um, probably in the $40 to $50 range. So I, I could live with that if the gameplay is interesting enough. So is that one that makes anyone's list? I was, I've, didn't know if the Kiesling name would have some weight here. No. I looked at it. I looked at it, but I figured you'll buy it, so it didn't have to make my list. Fair enough. You can pre-order right, Dan, it, by the way, back to you. on Plan B. What'd you say? You can pre-order it on Plan B's website, and you'll get a bonus okay. tile or something. Ooh, bonus tiles. Dan, what did make your list then? Games um, that I would not buy. Next on my list is um, Charterstone, actually. Yeah? So this is from... The designers of Euphoria, my yeah. favorite game of all time. That game's horrible. Um, but I'm a big fan of legacy games, and I'm interested to see this new take on it. 
Um, I will give Mr. Stegmeier credit. He does oftentimes, um, through his vast playtesting arena, come up with some pretty interesting mechanics. While I don't feel like most of the games overall succeed, um, there are bits and pieces of really interesting gameplay and mechanic within each of his games. So, yeah, I'm interested to see his take on uh, the legacy style and I really like the aesthetic, the little stark white box with the little village that looks like a hobbit town and the rest of the little pieces I've seen previewed. I really like the aesthetic. So, um, yeah, willing to give this one a shot. Yeah. And there is a watch it played already up. If you want to go over the first oh, is set there? of rules. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I might. Do um, that. He doesn't give any of the secrets away. He just covers all of like the basic setup that you'd have to read through anyway. So because it doesn't have a traditional rule book. It's got that sticker in the rules as you go kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're kind of following the lead of a deck of cards. So Yeah, that's good. I think I've said it on the show before. Like, I can't just watch a Rodney video to learn a game. Like, it's not yeah. how I use it to supplement the rule book. Because while I think he does really good videos, it just none of it sticks for me. I don't think that's just how I learn. So um I need to see it in writing first, and then I watch his videos. So that's well, this game's going to be weird too, because I think it's a learn as you play kind of deal. Yeah, apparently so. you don't have to read a rule book. So yeah, and supposedly at the end you get a fully playable game that you can just kind of repeat play. Uh, sure, that just, that interests me saying. zero. No, I'm just saying that from a that like from a marketing standpoint, that doesn't interest me at all. I want to play the legacy thing and be done with it, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's also got a double-sided board, and you can get by a refill pack to get all the cards and stickers that you've already used, and then you can play it again on the back side of the board. See, that's cool. I'll get behind that. I just yeah. I don't care to play a game at the end of it kind of thing. Fair enough. Tiff, how's life over there? Oh, that's good. Sleepy. How's Ohio? <laughs> no, oh, sorry. We're talking about games. Go ahead and tell me what else is Ohio's up. fine. It's always great here in Ohio. <laughs> um, uh, my next one is Kanja. I actually kind of forgot this one was coming out at Essen. I checked it out at Gen Con. It's by Simon McGregor, who is the guy that does the Pleasant Company games. Mm. So your Ancient Terrible Things, your Snowblind, which I have yet to play. But it's two players which is kind of why it's down on my list you know i don't get that many two-player games but uh it's dice rolling and push pressure luck kind of a thing you're you're playing as wizards and you're trying to summon a storm to get the water flowing in your drive (laughs) i don't know i don't know how to put it you're you're trying to yeah so yeah that water flowing tiff (laughs) I don't know. I just kind of like the aesthetic that these guys have. It's so different, and I don't know. It just looks good to me, and I'm willing to try anything. I Ancient Terrible Things was a hard game, but I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of just like their style. I want to support them. I don't think I've played any of those games. Yeah, I don't know. I just like I I found them on Kickstarter, and I was like, yeah, I just like you. And I like I, the guy was there at. Gen Con and he was super nice and gave me some prototype cards to try out on Snowblind. And oh, so you got buttered up. That's mm, the problem. Mm-hmm. Here. You got, That's how you do it, folks. They grease the wheels a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I haven't done it. And they were like, I mean, they were really prototypey, so don't get too excited over it. But yeah, mm. 
I was excited about Snowblind, and I don't see why not to be excited over this one. It's another 30 to 60 minutes, so, like, that's, like, my top criteria. That and, like, no area control or pick up and deliver. I kind of just, like, rule those out sight unseen. Uh, I want to throw out just a game that I came across was... It's not actually a game I'm going to talk about, but if you want to see probably some of the coolest box art in terms of sci-fi, like, trashy box art uh, look at nemesis it's a game that will be available for demo it is like i could see it from afar that it just has this alien look to it uh like alien the movie and it is very pretty the game itself has bluffing backstabbing and other stuff so i kind of nixed it after that uh just doesn't quite look like something i'm looking for but in terms of box art man it's yeah that's good i like that that's really pretty looking uh the game that i do want to talk about that I'm interested in is called Pot de Vin. Oh, I looked at which, that one. Yeah, they, they claim it to be a trick taker, so it looks a little cool. It looks like it's got some like set collection elements more so, um, where you're trying to gather. You you win the round, you get to gather the cards of your opponents, which is something you know. Given that we were just talking about trick taking games that you see in other games, like I think Chronicle has elements of that at times, doesn't it, Dan? You get to like take cards from people. Yeah. But you are trying to gather symbols that'll give you points. So if you don't you've got uh the 13 card that you're trying to look out for you know almost like the queen of spades and hearts or something like that where it can negatively affect you if you can't like shoot the moon and collect everything uh it's got a nice little aesthetic uh i don't know what i would call this aesthetic because i don't know art very well it's the same guy who did the brazilian coup oh is that luis francisco maybe yeah or Weber's i don't know his name I, I just know okay. it's the same artist Okay, it does have that look, which is very pretty. I like that Koo box as well. So I like the aesthetic of it. And, you know, trick-taking. We just talked about how I like trick-taking games, so I don't need to go much more into that, but I'm always willing to try different trick-taking games. So even if it's not stupendous, I like to see the different things that people do with the uh, the mechanisms and the, the kind of framework of it. So that is on my list. You can pre-order it from PAX Unplugged Pickup. Dan, on their Dan is on his game. How do you know all these Dan, things? Dan, are you going to let me know the games that I really want if they're available for pre-order? Because you seem to be focused on Matt. Yeah. Sure. Okay. If you if you, if you stop picking Conja. Okay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> also, side note, didn't know Dan was going to be a PAX Unplugged. Welcome to the fold, brother. Um, yeah, you, you told me to come to PAX Unplugged, so I said I I mean, would. I did, but I didn't know you were actually going to come. So everyone come to PAX Unplugged and hang out with Dan and I. Sure. Yeah, I'll be there. And Tiff, if you want to come, too. I want to come. I just don't know if I can afford to come. I have a room. Yeah. The flight is more expensive than I thought yeah. it was going to be. Just drive with Craig. No, there's a baby. There's, it's, I don't know. There's something. He is coming down with his whole family, so that would be oh. a weird card ride. Oh, don't drive with he's, Craig. He's not coming to packs with his whole family. He's like dropping them off along the way in the outskirts of the city because he's got family there. But the drive, yeah, would be a. I, I imagine Tiff sitting in the middle seat, like sitting on the hump, and just. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I, if I come, I'm flying. I just, I can't pull the trigger on the flight. I just, I've had a hard time. I've had it up in my browser, ready to go for a while, and then I just sort of. Eventually, there's not going to be a, a flight available, and then that'll make the decision for me. That'll make the decision for you. Good job procrastinating, Tiff. Dan, it is back to you. Sorry to interrupt with a, with a side note about PAX. What else you got on your list? 
Uh, next on my list is the Rahas of the Ganges. And all I need to say is Marka and Inca brand. That's Uh-oh. all I say. There you go. Marcus, sorry, and Inca brand. What kind of game is it? It is a dice worker placement game. Mm. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of dice games this year. There's a lot of dice games every year. Yeah, there's got to be like, but it's got, it just seemed so many of them were dice related. This one gives me a vibe, again, just the limited stuff I've looked at. It gives me like a mixed vibe of like Marco Polo and Lorenzo Il Magnifico. So, and it's the brands. Like, I, that's all I need to know. I will try anything those guys put out. They are two of my favorites. So, and it looks pretty. And it's a, it's a unique kind of theme in that it's not really explored all that much. So, yeah. Cool. Tiffany B. Hmm. Um, Pioneers, I'm thinking. Because American, American West. West. There's a lot of American <laughs> West this time around. Um, you know, you're, it's, you're, seems like you're putting out your pioneers and they have a special job so they can only go to places where they're needed. And then you, there's coaches and there's all this stuff that you want in an American West type game. I don't know that it's like the prettiest American West game I've ever seen, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's points. It's It does have pick up and deliver, but I'm letting it slide because worker placement hmm. and American West and 60 Minutes. Pick up and deliver with worker placement sounds like my dream game. Yeah, I think it'll be, I think that'll be okay. It's from Queen Games and um, Emmanuel Ornella, Ornella. I don't know. Yeah, it was just on Kickstarter with Merlin. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought they said Merlin would never be sold in stores. It might not be. They're going to have it at Essen. It's not a store. Well, I get... <laughs> Touche, Dan. You got me. <laughs> you got me. I mean, <laughs> when it comes to marketing, it's all about semantics. Like you could, It's like, yeah, we're not selling it at a store. We're selling it in a big, oversized convention hall. <laughs> Yeah, it'll just be in a booth the size of a store, (laughs) right? That has all the trappings of a store, but that's fine. I don't know, and I don't know if I want Pioneers either, because there are other American West games that I want more than this one. Because there's two two other ones on my list. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say there are a ton of them. So good thing you're not out of that phase yet. I want someone to try this one and tell me if I should like it. Dan, are you gonna get this one? Are you? Have you pre-ordered this one somehow? Pioneers. Yeah. No. No, okay. I'll wait. I'll wait on that one. I'm glad we're of the same mind. Yeah. Well, I'm not buying it, so you guys will have to find someone else to play it. Because <laughs> we play and, so many games together, you and I. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I meant to play it to make your purchase decision for you, Tiff. Oh, no. Someone else will make that decision for me. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to check out was a game that we covered previously on the news. Uh, it was called Destination X. It's a deduction and bluffing kind of game. Uh, it Not bluffing so much as like deceiving uh basically it's like a geographic deduction game where one person plays uh the the leader the moderator uh and they're a spy on the run that are that's trying to be caught they pick from an array of destinations and there's this book that gives you information about that destination this location um and basically through the mechanics of the game you're trying to get information about that location and then eventually guess. Uh, But it's like obscure information like population size and religion and different history things and economic things. So it's all this like weird 
like demographic information about this place um, that you are trying to provide as the spy. So it just sounded interesting, although I do wonder about like replayability. Once you have heard some of these crazy facts, they might stick out and you might be able to, that might ruin further plays. And then also it doesn't, I don't know how it's doing in terms of like weight. I don't know if there's enough to it to be super interesting, but overall I like the concept of like this different way to do geographic bluffing and deduction. So I, I thought that was kind of cool and it's got the right theme on it. So that is a Destri- destination X coming from a Porta games. Dan, what you got for me? Uh, next on my list is Nisford, Nisford, Nisfjord. It's the new Uwe, Uwe Rosenberg. Yeah. Nisfjord. Yeah. Uh, it's the new Uwe game. Um, I'm always interested when he has a new one. I just feel like I haven't had a chance to explore all the other ones of his I have as much as I would like to, but I still pre-ordered it, and I like that it's set in Norway, in the, uh, what is it called, the Lobaton or Lofaton Archipelago. So, different kind of setting. At least we're not in, like, rural farm town. We're in, like, some cool, fjordy water place. In Norway. What's wrong with rural farm town? Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, if he makes a game about Ohio, I'll buy it. I okay. guess. I would definitely buy it. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I don't think anyone wants to make a game about Ohio. Anyways, I love Ohio and I love its inhabitants, particularly okay. one, All one right, female yeah. on this show. I see named Tiffany. Okay, I'll let it slide. Go on. Are we changing our thing on the the message on Ohio has changed? You kind of let me know about these things. No, I'm not changing the message. Our, our brand is I'm now just, pro Ohio. I've decided. No, it's not. Pro, it's not. I, we just yes. talked about marketing and how it's all about semantics. I just said I didn't like Ohio, but I like Tiff. So I just kind of, you know, you got to work it in there. Wait, is our brand now pro Tiff? It's always <laughs> been pro Tiff. I don't know. I don't. Let's let's listen back on some of these shows. I don't know if it's always pro Tiff, but I'm super forever pro Tiff. The third most important lady in my life. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go back. Considering he only knows four. It's true. And I don't like Kel very much. So. <laughs> yeah. So, Nusfjord. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's cool. I'm glad that he's staying up in that region of the world since Feast for Odin. So, maybe he's kind of venturing. I don't know what he's doing. He's just... He makes this good games. This is 100 years later after Feast for Odin. <laughs> I don't know. He makes good games. And that's all that matters. So, I picked it up. Nice. Is it is the box 17 pounds? I don't think so. It oh, looks okay. like, I mean, I, I haven't seen it, but I think I saw a demo. It looks like the size of like the Lahav box. So it's old school. It's amazing Agricola. how all of these heavy euros are going to pale in comparison to Feast for Odin. Everything's going to feel like, oh, this is nice and comfortable. Yeah. doesn't fit on the shelf easy. That's for sure. Mm. Tiffany B. Oh, yeah. Give me a game. <laughs> Um, I feel like some of these Dan is going to talk about, but I want Maple Circus. We've already talked about it on the show. Ooh, Maple Circus, number two on my list. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I don't know. How can you say no to it? It's got like clown meeples with big old shoes and you like build them up and... It's so much fun. I played it. It's so much fun. You played it. So like, I feel like Dan's the better person to talk to. Yeah. That was more about Maple Circus, Dan. Can I pre-order this, Dan? Uh, yes, <laughs> I got mine. On, I got that one. So I had to split like my S and orders up between like 20 sites, but I got that one on fun again. You talk yeah. about it while I open up fun again. 
<laughs> yeah, so Meeple Circus is like this dexterity set collection pattern building game. So there's all these different like little shaped meeples. So you got seals and elephants and like Tiff said, there's clowns with actual big meeple feet. And you're going to be drafting these uh, little tiles that are going to give you certain um, figures or pieces, wooden pieces to, to play with. And there's going to be these... Um, objective cards so like have a seal balancing the the circular ball on his nose will get you two points or something like that and then what happens is when you go into the kind of the performance stage of the game then you're going to there's a timer and you're going to build up your performance and each time one of those patterns that's on the objective card is represented in your your building uh, your performance structure, you're going to get points for it when you score it. So if you had two seals with two balls, you're going to get maybe four points in that case. So it was a lot of fun. And the way the pieces are, like you look at a circular kind of ball and you're trying to balance it on the seal's nose. And you're like, I can't do that. And then you do it and it's like, what? So like the way they, they crafted the pieces um, really kind of gives you that impossible feat kind of feel, but then you do it and you feel so, it's so gratifying when you can actually balance it and it's all timed. And there's an app that comes with like creepy circus music, which is cool. Um, then there's, there's also these other things. If you really want to get players kind of involved, these little like trait car, I forget what they're called, but like, I think I said this on a previous podcast really. Like one of them was like, as you're placing your clown, tell its backstory, you know, so it's like, <laughs> like crazy things like that. You're talking about this like guy who, you know, used to practice under a bridge and now he's in this circus and just little things like that. It was just a, it was a really fun experience. Like I sat down, I played this with uh, Joe Pinchbeck. Um, we were just wandering by the Matigo booth, which has a lot of t- games coming out. And they're like, do you want to sit down and play it? We're like, eh, I guess, you know, what is this? And I think, you know, by the end, I think, again, I think I said this already, but by the end, we both looked at each other and we're like, damn, that was fun. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is high on my list. This is number two. I think it's going to go over really well with the family and just pretty much anyone. It's just fun. It's, it's just surprisingly fun. inexpensive. It's like $41 on fun again. Yeah, I think I, I got mine for like 33, so they must be inching them up. Mm. <laughs> um, fun again. I hate ordering from them, but anyways. Me too. My copy of Tokaido, the, or the expansion for Takenoko, the deluxe one, had the sleeve cracked, and I tried to contact them in multiple ways, and they never got back to me. So now I have this terrible sleeve on a game that mm. I paid a lot of money for. There's nothing mm. I can do about it. Yeah. They're the worst. Well, you should fight them. <laughs> Speaking of fun again, the game, one of the games that I'm interested in is Kitchen Rush, which is, we just played Overcooked yesterday, which is such a fun video game where everyone's frantically running around a kitchen trying to make food and things like that, but you're all bumping into each other. And this is basically the board game version of that, mm. where you're using timers as workers, like uh, sand timers as worker placement to like make food and chop things and wash dishes and deliver orders and things like that. So it's maybe kind of like, uh, what was that, walk on fire or something like that? So that general kind of thing where it's a cooperative, frantic, dexterity, speed game. Uh, Fun Again, for some reason, even though it says that this game is 55 euros, Fun Again's pre-order has it for $104. Yeah, they're building in a premium to these Essen games because they're muling them over. So That's a lot of money. No, oh, I know it's a lot of money. sand timers. <laughs> Oh, it's not. A, it's a lot of money. Just play Overcooked. You'll be fine. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to spend $104 at all, because uh, I don't even think that's what this is going to cost. But it's a cool-looking game, and I just thought it was, man, that's prohibitive if, like, the one, that's what aver- is advertised on BGG, too. So if you're like, I got to get this game, and they I'll mark click on up. this link. and They mark them up big time. Like, I, even yeah. at BGGCon, like, when they have their booth, like, you're paying $80, $90 for a $45, $50 game, just because they, Crazy. they have to cover, like, they're probably shipping most of the stuff back. Because they can't put it all in their suitcases. Are they shipping them one at a time? Uh, they might be air shipping them to get them back for BGGCon. Mm, so maybe that's that's a big cost. Um, so, but they they sell them like you, you go to BGGCon, like those games are gone quick. So yeah, well, game looks cool. Kitchen Rush, if you want some kind of like frantic zany food service type game with sand timers, it looks pretty cool. Just wait to find it somewhere cheaper. <laughs> Damn, what else you got? Um, next on my list is Transatlantic. This is the new Mac Gertz game that's been, I don't know, feels like it's been in development for about 84 years. I think it's been touted to be released at the last two Essens, and I think it's, it's finally coming out this year. Um, this is being sold as uh, Navigador meets Concordia. So sold and sold. Um, it's a card-based um, game similar to Concordia where you're going to be improving your cards and playing them to do certain things. You're taking control of like shipping companies in like the, I guess in the early 1900s or whatever, delivering passengers, mail, cargo, all kinds of stuff. Um, so yeah, that was a no brainer. Um, that one was pre-ordered immediately. So uh, looking forward to it because I really enjoy Concordia and Navigador and all of his other games. So um, happy to see this one finally get out on the shelves. I feel like that should send like bells ringing in Tiff's head when she hears Navigador. I love Navigador. I still haven't played Concordia though, so I don't know how I feel. That's Wait, you haven't played what? I haven't played Concordia. Uh, I do, we just played that with Steve and Kel. A lot of people ask time. me if I like it. I mean, that's happened on many occasions. I just haven't played it. I think Copac might own it, so maybe if I ever get back together with him and play games, I could make that happen. Steve hated it, and I was like, do you want to play this? He said, I need to play this again because I hate it, and I need to see why, (laughs) if I still hate it. Um, Apparently, just playing games with uh, Smee and Dan for the first time is just, don't do that. Um, I could see that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they're just, apparently, they're just mean. They're so good at games that uh, you beat Steven to a bloody pulp. He was so sad. Yeah, we did crush he played, him. He played with weak minds like Cal and I, and he felt a little bit better. So, it all worked out. Went in Rome. <laughs> Tiff, what you got? Anything else on that list? Mm, yes, I do. Hold on. Mm, mm, struggling mm. to find game. Games I like. Oh, no. Uh, good radio. For a second, I thought I like closed all of my tabs that I had open, which would have been devastating. How about... Well, let's just keep going on the American West train. I want Montana. Oh, <laughs> on the wagon train of my mind. Um, I want Montana. I think it looks so pretty. This is... Yeah. It's, it's good. I worry about auction slash bidding, but set collection, worker placement, and it has a spinner. So, yeah, you use a spinner to get your workers, and then you put them out to, like, get resources and money, and then you use your resources to build stuff, and it's pretty. 
and it's 45 minutes, and it's Rüdiger Dorm, and the artist is Clemens Franz. It's all the things. Yeah. I watched a video on it because it was in my cart, and I was trying to make tough choices, and this oh, one, yeah? this one got cut. I just, I don't know, something, something about it I wasn't feeling, but I could see it being, I could see it being good. Like I said, this was just on weird watching that, a video. Like, that makes me want it more, kind of. <laughs> yeah, sure. That means it's, <laughs> it means it's, it's too light. It's too no, light for you. Which it's not too it's light. It's probably perfect for me. No, it, it does look cool. It's got a couple of cool mechanics and even the spinner, like the way it's used is, is um, interesting to gather the little resources. So. No, I'd like. I'd really like to play it. Like I said, I had to make some tough choices because my cart was at like seven hundred dollars. So, holy crap! Yeah, I had to make some tough cuts, and that was that was one Are of them. Are you ordering from Fun Again? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's that was two games on Fun Again. On Fun Again. Ew, no, ew, no, no, no. Yeah, that will come over here, right? Yeah, that's a. Who did that one? That's not. It's, it's uh, not Lookout, is it? No, it's uh, White Goblin. White Goblin. Yeah, that might get over here eventually. Yeah. So I'm sure it will. It's Dorn. His right. stuff will make it. Dorn! Don't give me that Olay bullshit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> little Major League reference for everyone watching at home. Is it over to me? Yeah, it's over to me. Okay. There is a game called Potato Pirates that I do not want. But everyone should look at the box art for because it's potatoes wearing pirate hats. I like Just potatoes. You all should experience that. So that's good. I'm gonna pull that up yeah. real quick. Also, what we forgot to talk about when we said Quanchai art was the Kepler thirty forty two box. Oh yeah, yeah, that I looks saw good. That. Although I'm not gonna lie, like that? the the art in the original version wasn't that bad. I actually really liked it. It kind of had that space race vibe if you played space race. So yeah, it was very comic booky. But I get it. They have to do this like. They do that with all their box covers at Renegade. They do that flashy, like, oh, look at this. And then inside, it's like three of the same stuff like pieces of art. like pinks and blues and really vibrant. Yeah. That game, I feel like I need to try that game again. Do you still have that, Dan? Kepler? No, I sold that for a nice mint when I, when I, when I heard somebody had picked it up. I, a game from Quind Games, uh, Michael Keller with art by Michael Menzel. Agra. Again, sends off the flashbulbs in Tiff's minds. Uh, it's called Agra, a game that I talked about, I think was like previewed in the Gen Con. They might've had demos or something like that. I want to know more about this game because it's an area control game. Well, it's got area control elements, but it's worker placement and things like that. So it's very Euro-y. Uh, it looks interesting. It's got, I'm trying to figure out like what sets it apart from its other Euro counterparts other than like the mechanisms of like how all of the worker placement and like point scoring works together. But this game has a 4.4 on the like weight complexity scale, which seems very chunky. I can't remember like the last time I saw a game that was this chunky in terms of like the, the rating. And I know that's subjective to some extent, um, but it, that like was like, Hey, and that interested me more than deterred me because the game looks cool from a, a euro standpoint which you know is not always my bread and butter but then i saw like oh this is like what is complex about this game i really want to know so that's why this is kind of like on my mind i believe it's michael keller which was i think one part of the lagrangia team I th- yeah yeah that's who it is i had this in, this was another one that i had to tough cut out of my basket it was just too expensive to be honest with you it was like 80 some bucks 
Mm. I believe it's coming to the U.S. right after Essen, so you should have okay. a chance to look at it. There's, I mean, there was a Kickstarter for it a couple months ago, so you could yeah, probably get some it was video clean. on that and stuff like that. I didn't have a chance to look at Like I said, I cut it strictly on cost. Um, it looks really interesting, but I, you know, at the end of the day, with a 4.4 complexity, I'm probably not going to get it played as much as the other ones that were in my cart. So, yeah. The game rules are up, but there isn't a whole lot of other content. There's a couple of posts on the BGG forum. Maybe I can go look for the Kickstarter page. But yeah, it just that, that stood out to me in terms of the. there's a lot of Euro offerings, obviously, and it's just one that caught my eye. It's pretty. Yeah. What else you got, Dan? How, how far up are you on your list, Dan? Because I have not been calling out numbers. I'm on number five. Okay. Give me a number five. I mean, we've already talked about number two, which is Meeple Circus. So I've got four yeah. more. Uh, Riverboat. This okay. is That's a, another... List. Yeah, this is another, I guess you could consider this American West, um, so to speak. So uh, this is Michael Ish. Kiesling, one part. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's on the Mississippi early 19th, yeah, 19th okay. century it Mississippi River. Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, I mean, that is the toll gate to the West, is it not? <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. Um, yeah, it's Michael Kiesling, who is my boy, one half of the dynamic duo that I love so near and dear um so and this is supposed to be heavier so i'm really interested to see what he does because i think michael kiesling and i always think slick streamline super just thinky but never like overly complex i think that's kind of what i love about their games when they work like when he works with kramer and even by himself when he did uh you know for instance um sansuchi uh which is one of my faves as well so um, this one's got a little bit of everything. It's got some drafting, some tile placement, some worker placement, a little, just a little bit of everything, which really intrigues me. I saw it, it was demoed at Gen Con and I tried to kind of watch and overhear, but I, I, the demoer was kind of all over the place, I think, cause they had literally just been told they're demoing that game. So, uh, I didn't get a really good feel for it, but again, it's, it's played over four rounds and each of those rounds are like kind of broken out into phases, which have different elements uh happening in each of them uh based on the initial kind of draft and how you do um the turn structure and things like that so um yeah i don't know it's michael kiesling that's all i need to say so it's high on my list i'm pretty sure when i was doing my list i everything that lookout had in their section i just put must have must have must have must have must have <laughs> seriously those guys I, I i think they may be my favorite publisher they really just they don't miss. They are generally very good. You can usually rely on that particular subheading because Lookout is, are they their own thing? Or are they under somebody? I don't even, I can't keep it all. So well, Lookout's technically Mayfair okay. now. Yeah. So this one's got some farming, some boats, all kinds of, yeah, do it. It's pre-ordered. It's coming. Did anything else jump out at you, Tiff? Because you said this was also on your list. I, I mean, here's the thing you have to understand about when I choose anything for any of these lists, I do very little research. I like a good surprise, and I just kind of go with my gut on things, and I saw Lookout, and I saw Kiesling, and, you know, hey, that's going to be good. I will, like, when that gets over here, I will buy that, most likely. Um, I've been, you know, they don't make any games with, there aren't many games with this theme. Riverboat theme. So I've always what, wanted to play Mississippi Queen, and yes, I've never had too. a chance to. I was trying to trade for it, and I came very close once, but uh, yeah, that one 
I yeah, I've, want. I've had a trade lined up for it, but I wasn't able to get the expansion, which I've heard is what you really need to yes, kind of make it. So the black rose or whatever it's called, the, the expansion. Um, exactly. Yeah. So I'd like to try that one day. Maybe at one of these big cons, I'll pull it off a shelf. Yeah. So it was the theme that drew me in. I mean, it's it's going to be good. I already kind of know that based on the pedigree, but the theme, exciting. I'm sure the theme has a lot to do with it, but it'll be fine. Dan, how do you feel about, I, how do I pronounce it? Is it Qian or Xi'an? What is X-I in Chinese? How do you pronounce that? Uh, I don't know. Dan for pronunciation help? Mm-mm, not me. No offense, Dan. I mean, he's good. He usually does an accent. It's great. No, <laughs> I don't do Chinese. X-I apostrophe A-N. It's another one of the Madigo games coming out. Not sure if you came across this one. I didn't come is across the, this one. It's not Princess Jing, is it? No, this is a terracotta army game, Dan. What? Oh, no. I'm designing one of those. Where? That's the first emperor, isn't it, Gian? All right. Uh, Let's see. Ooh, it's 30 to 60 minutes. Oh, no. Yes, this This is is the first emperor of China, Ying Zhang. Oh, no. Ordered the construction of the terracotta. Oh, this just killed me. I literally, I watched a terracotta, I was watching terracotta army documentaries all week. I'm not even joking. Oh, no, this is exactly what I wanted to do, too. Have the actual figure. Oh, dead. Okay. I'm it's done. okay. No, it's not dash fine. your dreams. I'll design something it's else now. It it's exactly fine. dashed his dreams right now. It did. At the very... At, all it does is it gives you a bunch of uh, Terracotta Army pieces to now build your game with. <laughs> this is... Well, see, this... Yeah, this looks... This is way different. But no one had ever done the theme. That's what I was super excited about. Because I love... The Terracotta Army. I did not mean to dash your dreams. That's that okay. was not my intention. No, I see. Just what an extra doing added here. bonus. This is more simplified than mine. Um, looking by just by the board, but that's fine. I'll work on something. Well, else if you're now. looking for a simplified Terracotta Army game, no, it's this probably the one really good too. Uh, I think it's. I think it's pronounced Chion. Chion. Um, <sighs> I'm so sorry. Uh, Jin, Jin, I can't remember. It's, I think it's the emperor's name, the first emperor of China. Well, it says the first, the future first emperor of China, yeah. Ying Zhang. Ying. Okay, then maybe it's not. So anyway, it's from Madigo, and it's got the Madigo flair to it. It is a, um, a hand management based game, uh, where you are moving your uh, selecting cards out of your own personal player deck. Uh, to move your terracotta army pieces and place them uh, for points, area control, and, and sets, and things like that. Uh, the first round, you ch- you draw four cards, you choose two of them, and then the, the round after that, you take the other two that you just picked, so you're kind of picking for two turns at a time, and you only play six rounds altogether, so you only get 12 total actions. Uh, it's a two-to-four player game. It's got a mid-weight complexity. Uh, it's very pretty to look at. It just sounds very interesting, and you know, I love Madigo, and I love these kind of more abstracty games. Uh, so it's something that's on my radar. If you're looking for a more complex terracotta army game, you need to wait a couple of years because Dan's working on it. No, this yeah. one, Aww. yeah, it's okay. Like I was oh, super. Oh, it doesn't seem okay at all. Uh, I was super pumped. I'm not even joking. Like Elsa laughed at me because I fell asleep on the couch um, Friday night watching terracotta army documentaries and taking notes because I was trying to get. 
I had this really cool uh, mechanic I'm working on. Which Listen, I might... Dan, you it's don't know okay. if Terracotta Army is the new Vikings or not, so you it might want to just keep going on it. You got to You can't. You can't give up on no, all no, no. work just because one other game. No, no, I'm it. not. I, I can even the even the mechanic itself, which is the super cool thing, can be it can be twisted into something different. Like I was just using it to craft the the different uh, warrior statues. And this looks like it's one. Mine had all three tombs because there's technically three tombs that they've unearthed. Um, Look, plus a see your game's already better. This game's garbage. Don't no, buy this game. This is Madigo. It's going to be phenomenal. Don't buy this game. <laughs> this game looks terrible. It's going to be awesome. Damn, how did I miss this? I was yeah, that was number one on my crappy game list. Don't buy. Okay, Dan, back to you. Oh, man. Um, next on my list is uh, Noria, which... I had a tab open until I used it to dash my dreams by opening <laughs> the scene. Um, no, it's cool. I was just super pumped for the theme because I was like, nobody's ever done a terracotta army. Like, you could have the meeples lined up in rows. Like, it'd be so cool looking. Anyway, so Noria. I was always going to be doing it. It happened with the food truck game, too. Yeah, I know. It's all good. Uh, Noria is from uh, Sophia Wagner, who won what's called the Spiel des Jahres Fellowship back in uh, 2015. So it's almost like a, it's almost like a scholarship for game design. It sounds like, um, but she's kind of created this really cool looking steampunk universe. And I mean, here's a selling point right here. The art is done by both Michael Menzel and Clemens Franz. Whoa. So it's got a little mix of all of their things and it's got this really kind of cool mechanism. They're calling wheel building. So basically, each player has these action wheels that have different rings on them with slots that you can put action discs in. And so you're constructing the wheel and spinning it so that when it lines up in a certain way, you take the action discs that are, you know, pointed to it that way. So it's, it sounds super interesting. Like, I, I'm just, I'm really excited to see the innovation in that me mechanism alone. Because you think of something like a Zolkin where it had the wheels and that did some really cool things and just little things like that when you're when when these people are innovating. Um, so and not to mention it's a it looks like a really cool steampunk universe. The art looks phenomenal. Um, so and it's you know I think it's coming it's coming out in the U.S. from Stronghold, um, but it's Pegasus Spiel overseas. Um, so it's got it's got good pedigree there um, as Tiff said with her last game i like that word pedigree um so super excited for this one pre-ordered tiff hmm, how about a little love for our sponsors they also have an american west game coming out at essen pioneer days yes which, mm -hmm. which is tell me more it's dice drafting and it's supposed to uh bring you back to oregon trail so bad things happen dysentery to you. yeah yeah basically <laughs> You're um, gonna get chlamydia. I love Dan. <laughs> what? Not you, but syphilis. Not oh, sorry. Oh well, I'm glad we got that sorted out. You draw dice out of a bag, which is cool, and then, you know, I'm kind of partial to that. And uh, you roll them, and things happen. That's it. Your pee is gonna burn one way or another. Sorry, I messed that up. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know. So hopefully, you know, our sponsor will help us out with this one. Cause and then we can talk more about it. I yep. want it. I want it bad. Done. I'll what? get it for you, but you got to play it. Listen, <laughs> I'm playing, you know, it's very uh, demoralizing when you say things like that to me, Dan. I've been trying really hard. And I've played games. 
I played enough games to talk to to talk about on the show. This I'm just week. kidding with you. I'm super. It was proud. more than one. Oh, jeez. See, you know that the show is starting to wrap up because everything's getting real sad. You, we are you, going on two hours. The Terracotta and Army game. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting really hungry. Oh, the Terracotta Army game really just was a. It was a Martin Wallace kick in the nuts. Wind from the sails, man, took it right out. That's okay. I'm gonna look a into it more though because I'm curious. That I'm interested in that also has to do with drawing stuff out of a bag. Uh, not really. It's dice rolling. Pulsar twenty eight forty nine from CGE is space themed. Uh, you are trying to traverse like this little circular galaxy thing and each round you roll dice and then you draft those dice so you don't you roll dice for the table and then each player gets to draft dice from that set uh, and then you can apply those dice to different actions to move around and settle uh, and try to complete different hidden and public objective cards so you're doing like some space exploration uh, through dice drafting action taking so no, that looked pretty cool and i i like cge they tend to do right by me we we gel in terms of our game tastes usually yeah that was another one that didn't make the cut but it was in the basket looks cool it's got a very cool box art as well i don't know about the aesthetic on the actual player pieces it's kind of drab in their prototype stuff but we'll see what they do uh dan what do you got uh, my next three we can just zoom through because we are pushing yeah. two hours. But um, let's do it. Three is Merlin, uh, Feld done. Same. Hold your one. Give me your two. Oh, two is my two is Meepkul Surfacus. All right. Hold your one for a grand finale. No, my one is easily predictable. Oh, I just remembered what it was. Tiff, do you got anything else before you go for like your grand I announcement? Oh, I feel like I've already done like my grand announcements were these three American West games. I don't. <laughs> i didn't put them in like a specific like dan made like a top 10 list and i just like opened okay. a ton of tabs i have a couple of dan, things that i want but dan just looked at his credit card statement and arranged accordingly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sort low to high all right well anything else then that stands out to you too i want dinosaur island i think like that's appealing to me yeah i backed that one yeah i almost did nice. and then i canceled it at the last minute there's another dinosaur game i think on the essen list um about building a dinosaur theme park as well you have to like cage them in like agricola and like like the t-rex requires certain upkeep as far as food requirements and oh, a bigger like what's the bigger pen? uh kind of maybe oh i love uh, zoo tycoon if you could I forget the name that of it board game, I would enjoy the, it might just be called something like dino park or something like that i saw it somewhere well, maybe I'll find that. Well, I will go ahead and just say, um, I'll go through like the, the must-haves I had. Uh, there are certain games that I'm just going to get when they come out. The Tosh Kalar Etherweave expansion is coming out. Yes, finally more Tosh Kalar. Uh, the Flam Rouge expansion sounds pretty cool. It's going to uh, increase the player count potentially and add a new uh, mechanism where you can ride through these cobblestone streets, which are only one lane. So like more bottlenecks, which is cool. And uh, the Adrenaline Team Game expansion seems really, really cool, where you can now play up to, like, six players, I think, and you can play in teams and add some new game modes, and I really like Adrenaline. So those are games that uh, are pretty much probably going to end up in my collection or one of our collections at some point, uh, for sure. So, Dan. What? You're number one. Oh, Terra Mystica in Space. Easily. Gaia Project. <laughs> 
is that, that what the subtitle is? It's called Gaia Project Subtitle Terra Mystica in Space. Yeah, it should have a colon or something in there. I mean, that's yeah. all I need to say. I saw it at Gen Con. I may or may not have been slightly aroused, and then I walked <laughs> away because I just had to. Because Yeesh, that's one way to end a show. <laughs> there were definitely feels. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Terra Mystica was my number one game. And Gaia Project is said to... I had heard, and I, uh, this might be just rumor or something, but the original game was space-based, and they changed it to fantasy theme, so it's like back into its element. I think it has more of a kind of, makes more sense in space, I think, terraforming planets and stuff. But uh, yeah, apparently they've kind of streamlined and, and changed some things, and just, it sounds awesome. I can't wait. Nice. I will play that. Are you going to keep your other Terra Mystica, though? Oh, yeah. They're going to rub up against each other on the shelf. So you're going to have two of the same game. It's not the same game. I mean, kind of. No. It's pretty close. you got to admit that. <laughs> I mean, hence you're, call- you're calling it Terra Mystica in space, so. That's just for the listener. That's just good radio. Just okay. kind of describing right. it as it uh, needs to be described. That's just marketing. Out. Dan's just doing a little good. marketing yeah. for you. I'm, Dan and his marketing. publishers should hire me because, let's face it, a lot of them don't know how to market. It's true. They, they well, could hire you. You just wouldn't make anything it's fun (laughs) all right i think that we have recorded ourselves a very lengthy show here everyone's hungry and uh, we are ready to move forward so thank you all for joining us for episode 76 of the podcast of nonsensical gamers thank you to our sponsor tasty minstrel games Uh, be sure to check out downfall which will be on kickstarter soon it's a sci-fi game coming from tmg it's very pretty uh, something to check out. We'll probably cover it once it's live. You can also find them at playtmg.com. And if you want to find us, you can do so in places like the BGG Guild, number 2077. You can choose an email, podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Google Plus, maybe. Uh, and uh, be sure to talk to us directly on Twitter. Now, Tiff, if they want to attempt to make contact, even though you might not respond, MySpace. <laughs> Where do they find you? I'm Tim at, is exclusively on MySpace now. I'm at Inept Gamer. No, I I will respond. I'm still getting notifications. I just don't have the button handy. It's just buried, mm. so I'm not like obsessing over it. So everyone, I want uh, I want to rally our listeners to uh, periodically, about once every hour, go yeah. ahead and tweet at Tiff so that she is checking Twitter on a regular basis. <laughs> I'm trying to have a healthy balance of real life and online life. Especially do it around times when she'd be going to bed. Because <laughs> you're the worst. Yeah. Dan, if they want to chat with you uh, about uh, how to potentially market their games or uh, manage their own bank accounts from their essence spending, where do they find you? Uh, at scandalous underscore nad or at league nonsense. T- Tiff, did you actually say your, ins- your handle? I'm at inept gamer. Okay, good. I just I just thought that maybe we had left you out again. If, I'm so sorry. <laughs> if I didn't, you can just edit it in. It's perfect. Yeah, I'll just put it in there. The magic of uh, and you can find me at cinnamon buns spelled phonetically. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you next time. Until then, say goodbye. Toodles. Bye. Bye. And I know that if I say that fast enough now, that you guys won't be able to interject something dumb. So.
Matt, I did my list like three weeks ago, so I'm sure they added like 450 games since then. But you know oh, what? Oh, definitely, definitely. You should is be it, a little bit more on the ball boat on your list. That looks like that, something you'd like. Number five. Yes. I didn't. I don't have an. That's order. Michael. That's Michael Kiesling, baby. That's mm. gonna be smooth as butter. Hey there, Michael Kiesling. Where's your book, Kramer? Oh, he's probably in the credits for playtesting play it. Boom, this game's going to be awesome. Ooh, Cosmogenesis looks neat. Yeah, I clicked on that and then clicked off of it. Okay, Tiff, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm not as good as Dan. There's only <laughs> one space game this year. What's, What's that? that? Is Kepler it Ancient reprint? Aliens? Gaia Project. Oh, oh Terra Mystica in space. <laughs> yep. Uh, Ancient Aliens is on my list, I believe. Is it? Mm-hmm. I looked at it, and then I was like, you know what? I just, I really feel strongly about this. I only need one space game, and it's Eclipse. called Eclipse. I don't need anything else. I am mostly turned off. Uh, I think First Martians kind of solidified that I don't think Portal can ever do a rulebook right, so I'm not, not doing it. That game doesn't even look that interesting, First Martians. Like when you see it, the board, it's like, ugh, I don't want to do this. No, I agree, right. and I'm saying, like, even though, like, Ancient Aliens looks cool, they still can't seem to get their production issues right, so what the... Yes. But there's cubes. <laughs> all right, well, we're using all our material Link right Games now. is doing a modern art, too. No, I can say that again. Ready? Listen, I'm super I watched disappointed in this. I am super disappointed that the Oink Games isn't their stamps version of it. A long time ago, we can talk about that. Well, let's just pod. All right. Is everyone ready to go? I was I was born ready to do this as a preview. Fair enough. See, how's that for some enthusiasm? Three, two, one. Suck it.